Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. All right, good morning. Welcome, welcome to Life Church. If you uh, are new with us, it's awesome having you guys with us. My name is Jeff, and this is Carissa, and we are married. 17 years. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah. I like being with you. It's fun. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted. When Chris is up here, I get distracted. So there, there you go. Um, hey, we uh, have been taking some time every uh, Sunday just to share a little bit about family values. And so uh, we just want to take another moment to share two more things of what's going on with um, you might be new with us, or maybe you've been with us for a long time. Um, and these are just like, if you've been with us a long time, it's always helpful to oil the machine, right? Like, I don't know about you, but um, when I had my first car, I did not know about oil changes. And then I did not have my first car because of that. Yeah, that was awesome. There was green pus coming out of the engine block. And I was like, hey, can you fix this? And they're like, no, that thing's gone. Like, and it was really sad. So if you were with us for a long time, don't, don't allow that green, green pus to come up, but allow the Lord to speak to you about who we are as a church. That was a terrible analogy. We're moving on. All right. So... <laughs> Hey, progress, not perfection. We're working on this. Um, but we really want to share these values with whether you've been with us a long time or really a short time, it really helps give you an understanding of who we are. And it gives you a, an understanding of the, the heartbeat and the pulse of, of who Life Church is so that you can identify what is the Lord speaking to you on behalf of, is this your church family? It's not for me to tell you if this is your church family, it's for the Lord to tell you. So if the Lord tells you this is your church family, then man, we're all in. And I wanna know the family values so that we can proceed together. Just like any household would understand like, hey, this is what we do and don't do as a family. So um, anyway, I'm gonna hand it off to you and share on a couple of things. Okay, well, we've been talking, I think, uh, really practically about our family values, the kind of things like serving and being in service and serving one, sit one. Um, We've been talking about just kind of how to be around and do meet and eats and life groups and that kind of stuff. But what we want to talk about today are two things that just... um, just give us value and health as a church. And so one of those things is being multi-generational. And the other one is that we're all difference makers. And so I want to talk about being multi-generational because uh, if we uh, did not have every age group represented, I don't think we would be as healthy as a church. And so we love being a multi-generational church. And you've heard us already talk a lot about um, life kids and how much we value the kids, but um, but the kids grow up, right? <laughs> so we have next steps for them, next places for them. So we have um, life kids where they get to learn about God on their level, and then we have youth group where they, again, get to learn about God at their level because who knows that being a teenager is hard sometimes, right? And they need the people there that they can ask the hard questions to, and we have an amazing youth team that Uh, just work so great with our kids and has been doing a lot of one-on-one mentoring with the kids and big fun events and all that. But at the bottom line, they're really growing their faith in Jesus. And so we really value our youth group and 
And we also have young adults. So even when they get out of youth group, we have a young adults group that is also an amazing place where young people can continue to grow their faith. And, and then, you know, we have our life groups and our meet and eats that are intended to be multi-generational because, you know, the Bible talks a lot about uh, passing on from one generation to yeah. the next. It talks about to your children and your children's children passing on the, these legacies. And so uh, there's always a generation ahead of us that we can look to for wisdom and strength. And and there's a generation behind us that we can look to to be raising up and encouraging in their faith. And so we want to continue to be a multi-generational church. And I think the other part of that that is really fun is like to run life kids or to run a youth group, like it's multi-generational. You can't have kids leading the kids, right? We've got a bunch of grown-ups, young adults, and even youth in there. That is one of the things that I love to see is that the kids, as they grow up, realize that even they can look back and start to be raising up these young kids. So, um, so that is one value. Can I add to that? Of course may you I? may. I like adding things. Uh, one of the things about multi-generational is the person you're going to invite is probably your age. So the way in which we stay multi-generational is inviting your coworkers, inviting your friends, inviting those you're connected with, because that really helps the, uh, not only first and foremost, connecting people to Jesus is the topmost priority, but then it really adds into the, the dynamic and the, the, the dynamic of who we are as a church. Because really passing from one generation to the next, it's, it's not just about Jesus. It's the wisdom that he gives us. It's the wisdom from the Lord who, who we're able to, to be able to pass those things on to those next generations. And so we want to really be able to invite you also to continually like, hey, look, there's some open seats. Not in second service, but first service. <laughs> uh, there's some open seats. And that means this is what I would love to share with you is like, pray about that open seat. Who's supposed to be there? Who's missing in your life that needs the love and heartbeat of Jesus? And, and I, I hope that we're a church that is very invitable too, uh, that, that is one that is like, man, warmly received and welcomed progress, not perfection. We're, we're, we're gonna connect with you wherever you're at and walk forward with you in Jesus. So um, that's just one of those multi-generational things that really is a big deal. You can invite older and younger people too, of course, but... <clears throat> Okay, so the other thing we were going to talk about today is that uh, everyone is a difference maker. And this is something that we really just believe because we're all made in the image of God, Mm -hmm. right? We are all created here with a purpose. And so uh, he made... He made us all. He knit us together uniquely in our mother's womb, right? And so um, we all have a a purpose. And one of the things I love, the Bible gives us just a great picture of the church um, being represented as a body. We're the body of Christ. And so we can't function without the eye or without the hand. We need every part. We're one body, but many parts. And so uh, you all have something to give and offer. And I was thinking about this, that sometimes we think like, oh, I just don't have anything special about me. And I think that sometimes the ways that God has gifted us, we don't even realize are special about us because that's just how God made us. And so I think to encourage you, like every conversation, you just don't even know what difference you could be making in a connection that you have with somebody on a Sunday, um, a smile that you give to somebody, uh, encouragement that you give. Um, so 
if he ha- if God has called you to this place, then he's called you here with a purpose. And there is a place for you um, to love and serve other people. So our uh, being a difference maker means that our life is not just about ourselves. It's about the people that we come in contact with. And uh, so we really believe that about all of you. Yes. Everyone is a 10 somewhere, right? In God's eyes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not in yours? Uh, not, not all the time. No. <laughs> I'm not a 10 in everybody else's eyes either at at times. So uh, two things to add. (laughs) Don't you love being here? Uh, Two two things to add to that, I I would say, um, you know, like uh, we want to be a church that's participatory. um, And and so the goal isn't to just come and sit on Sundays, though that is part of the body of Christ. That's what we do in, in worship, in the word, of course. But then it's also a matter of like, man, I'm not called to be a bystander here. Jesus has not called any one of you to be a bystander. Like he thinks so highly of you. Um, so you kind of have to set your sights on this, even though you, at times it's hard to believe. It's hard to like understand like, man, I, it's easy to downplay. But I want to encourage you, like this, this is something I'm like so passionate about. Like, man, I know that the, the Lord has a plan and a purpose for all of you. Yeah, inside the church, but also everywhere else. And so he wants us all to, to rise up and, and to be a difference maker. And so I just want to continually encourage you that, man, this is, this is something that we could have everybody doing something in some way, shape, or form because he's made each of us so uniquely. And so he cares so much about you. He has something for you to do. Um, and so it's not, not necessarily this big, huge works thing, but it is this measure of like when the second part of this is when I actually rise up and go, okay, Lord, use me. That's when you learn more about yourself and who he's made you to be which is a powerful, powerful thing. When you understand more and more about your identity, the more and more you're gonna understand about your identity is being used by him. And there's a real nice refining process with this that's not always super fun, but it is one of those things that I'm gonna say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm just yours. So, so use me and watch and see what happens in your own heart, in your own mind, the transformation that happens according to the Lord and not to the patterns of this world from Romans, right? So we wanna really continually encourage you with that. But um, like, man, give somebody a high five and say, you're a 10 right now, ready, set, go. You're a 10. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <clears throat> That was just my ploy to get some water. So, (laughs) although you are all tens, of course. Hey, uh, would you with me open up your Bibles? Okay, come back, come back. All right, enough of this like loving people thing. Uh, Open up your Bibles to to Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven, and we're gonna get into the story. We're doing this God stories. And this is is my first story from the New Testament. It is so hard for me to leave the Old Testament because, oh my goodness, there's so many gems in there. Um, I wanna encourage you, by the way, uh, we're heading into January. January is a great starting point to like get back on track with your Bible reading programs and stuff like that. If that's you, if you're really good at the checklist style, uh, we have those at the lobby. Uh, There's a five-day reading plan and a seven-day reading plan. Both of them get you through the Bible in a whole year. It's awesome. So I wanna you. So, so when I share these, these uh, unheard of stories from the word, you'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. I got that one down. I read that back in March, right? So I want to share that with you. Uh, but I'm jumping into the New Testament this morning. I'm calling this sermon uh, Filled with Fragrance. 
filled with fragrance. So those note takers, I want you to be able to write that down, filled with fragrance. I have a couple of stories, but one of my favorite movies, um, just all time, but not, but also a Christmas movie, Anybody With Me, The Elf. Ah, oh, come on. We should just watch that for service one time. I'm sure the Lord would speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And then you were like, no, I would leave this church in a heartbeat if you did that. It's okay. Um, Buddy the Elf, he goes into New York City. And I don't know if you remember this, but he, he's like, oh my gosh, his eyes are huge, right? He's doing all the things. He's experiencing all the stuff. And, and then he goes into, I think it's Macy's, like this high-end retail store. And they have the free perfume samples. And he goes and he goes in his mouth. And then he basically dies at that moment. Uh, he also, at the same time, like he, he eats the gum underneath the railing. Oh, like, um, anyway, he was filled with fragrance from this perfume. Uh, in fact, uh, last week, Pastor Chris, where's Pastor Chris? Oh, he's with the kids. Pastor Chris is serving with the tweens right now. So mm, I love that. It makes me so happy. But one of you could take his spot next week. It's going to be amazing. Uh, anyway, Pastor Chris, we're, we were eating lunch uh, this last week and and we were sitting at this little tiny booth and facing each other and, and talking through, you know, just life and church and stuff. And, and uh, we do that every week. We just kind of connect and talk through stuff. And, and we're about halfway through our, our, our lunch. And these two ladies walk in on the other side of, like, we have these booths. They're the, the booths next to us. And they walk all the way past us down the sit at the far end. And I'm like, wow. Did that lady like douse herself in perfume? Like it was like, I was trying to eat the rest of my burger and eating perfume and the burger at the same time. Anybody have a a burger with perfume at the same? Anybody sensitive to to those smells? Don't raise your hand. It's okay, Kevin. I saw that. It's okay. (laughs) So that's why he's sitting alone. He doesn't want to smell the smells. Um, I'm like uber sensitive to smells around me and just like, I I like to, I pay attention to the atmosphere of every room and I kind of understand the dynamics of what's going on. I'm, I'm pretty aware for the most part. And uh, there was another time I was sitting in Starbucks. Uh, I was probably working really diligently on an amazing sermon. I had my Bible open. I was incredibly holy. And all of a sudden, I, and I have probably my headphones in because I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm really working on the word. And all of a sudden I go in, what is that smell? I'm like, goodness sakes, we're at Starbucks. I should smell coffee and pastries. And that's it. No other smells do I need in this moment of my life, all right? And I'm, I'm like, it smells like a nail polish remover. And I look up and sure enough, this girl next to me has nail polish remover, cotton balls, paper towels, and she's removing the nail polish from her fingers. Just gonna give you a heads up. That's not okay to do at Starbucks. That's just like, so if that was you, you're a guest and you're like, oh my gosh, that was me. I'm so sorry. I had to use you as a sermon illustration. Uh, fragrance should be used in moderation, uh, but, but nail polish remover always in your own room alone so you don't kill anybody else. Like that's just my rule. So Luke chapter seven, you're gonna understand why I'm talking about all of this in a second. Luke chapter seven, we're gonna start in verse 36. 37 and 38. I'm going to read those and then we're going to go from there. So Jesus, uh, this is a story about Jesus at a Pharisee's house. And it says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came 
uh, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So here's Jesus. He's invited to, uh, he's invited to this Pharisee's house. And back then, it was one of those um, honorable things to do to invite maybe a well-known person or a well-known speaker or teacher to a Pharisee's house to, to basically parade that person around so that the Pharisees would look like, oh, so good, yeah? Um, so they invited Jesus, and there's probably an agenda here, but it's early in Luke, so you don't get a ton of dynamic about the Pharisees really seeking out ways to, like, you know, get rid of this guy, Jesus. They're wanting to know more about Jesus, and they're probably trying trying to find a way to like undercut him somehow. But this is just a story where Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's house. So he comes, he, he comes and he says, yeah, fine. No, no big deal. I'd love to come. And so he's there and he's probably uh, the guest speaker. And, and they're in this, this area, either a big, large house room or a courtyard that's open um, to the public. And so anyway, here's this woman who comes, this sinful woman. Did you catch that? And by the way, when I read this, I'm talking to guys too. Just gonna throw that out there. Everybody raise your hand just for a second. Okay, some, all of you, come on, just bear with me. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? I mean, no, not amen. No, Jesus. All right? So when we say this, yeah, there's this woman who's this sinful woman. Okay, we understand the setting and the tone of it, but, but we're all accounting for the sin in our own lives, in our own hearts, okay? So that's what I wanted to just set the tone there. She was most likely a prostitute. She was most likely someone who made her living sleeping with men. And she, she comes and she hears about Jesus. She hears about this man who, who's been performing miracles here and there, who's been meeting people on the outskirts and pulling them in. And, and she's incredibly curious about this. And in fact, maybe has some anticipation in her heart, like, oh my goodness, my life could change. Oh man, I, I might have the opportunity to like redo this thing. And so she hears about Jesus and, and, and she comes to this house, a Pharisee's house. And, and in this time, you got to understand culturally, she would not be accepted. If there was a bouncer at the door, he would have politely said, no, 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 you may not be able to come in here. But the setting of the house is probably most likely in this outdoor courtyard because the Pharisees like to be seen. And they like to be the pomp and circumstance. They like to have this ability to be seen as somebody who is greater than thou. And so they had this open courtyard, most likely, and what they would allow the commoners to do, or maybe the sinful people to do, they would allow them to, to circle up around the outskirts of this courtyard. They would allow them to jump in and, and watch from a distance. How awkward and weird too, by the way. But here's these people, they're kind of on the outskirts. And this woman is able to come and she is able to actually get in. So maybe there's a ton of people there. Maybe it's just like such a kind of a ruckus because Jesus brings the crowds, right? So maybe, maybe there's just so much hustle and bustle that she's able to kind of like, ooh, found, I found my way in. And she just so happens to get to Jesus' feet. She gets to the place where she needs to be. She's bold. She's brass for sure. She's got some courage. And she's like, I don't care what I have to do 
I want to be at the feet of Jesus. The tenacity that she has, everybody should be like, I want some of that. Give me Jesus every single day. Come on, I want more of Jesus as much as I possibly can. Maybe, possibly, another route you can go is if she was a prostitute, she might have been able to actually have some dirt on some of the men within the party. So she's like, you either let me in or I'm letting things out. You know what I mean? So she found her way in. She got to Jesus however she needed to. She was there. She was, she was there to see Jesus. She came also prepared. She came prepared. What did she bring? She bring an alabaster jar of perfume. And if you understand this, this is like, this is not a cheap, uh, cheap little sample at, at JCPenney or maybe even CVS. This is top shelf, incredible, probably myrrh type of perfume that, uh, that is incredibly expensive. And in this alabaster jar, that's incredibly protective. Like you do not use this except in, cer- uh, in special circumstances. So she has this, she comes prepared because she knows, she hears about Jesus and she brings, she brings this alabaster jar of perfume with her to the party. Because she knows I have an opportunity to be with Jesus and I have an opportunity to give him my best. The most valuable possession that I have. And, and I think in some ways, um, if you know football, there's, there's this thing called the Hail Mary where it's like the last play of the game. The, the offense is down by so many points and they throw a Hail Mary to try and make it into the touchdown, make it into the end zone to win. And so she's like throwing a Hail Mary with her life at this moment. She's just like, I have to bring my best and I have to get to the feet of Jesus. And if I can do that, my life will be forever changed. So I'm going to get in, I'm going to bring my best, and I'm going to come to the feet of Jesus. Who's done that this morning? This is a heart check moment of us going like, man, you know what? I should probably be willing to live my life like this on a day in, day out basis. I'm going to bring my best to Jesus. Oh, by the way, she's a sinful woman. Okay, so we messed up. Okay, but I'm still going to bring my best to Jesus. I'm still going to find a way to get to Jesus. This is her most prized possession. Her, her probably most valuable thing monetarily for sure. So she stands at the feet of Jesus. And you have to understand that at these tables and dinners, they would have these like lounge chairs. So you'd kind of lean on them and you'd probably speak to the person who invited you. So Jesus is most likely sitting here with this Pharisee conversing and having a conversation and they're leaning over like this with the table, maybe in between them or right behind them. And they're having this conversation and this woman who comes up behind Jesus, he, she just stands at his feet and the very presence of Jesus brings her not just to tears, but to weeping. And if you understand the difference between just crying, oh, I, I stubbed my toe <laughs> and, and this heart transformation of my life is radically changing in this moment. So Lord, I am like so desperately needing something new in my life. I am weeping because I'm so broken, kind of weeping. You know, the ugly cry versus like the normal cry. Is that just me? Oh my God. You know, you can't stop it. It's, it's in your belly. It's like, it's just so, it's emotional, but it's also just something the Lord is doing in your heart where you are surrendering to his presence. 
Isn't this a, it's just a moment in time that you can just picture yourself at the feet of Jesus and what would happen if I was at the feet of Jesus and experiencing his love and his compassion just by his presence alone? Jesus could have been like, get out of here. I'm busy talking to a very important person, don't you know? But obviously we understand what Jesus thinks about the Pharisees. My question to us this morning, maybe one of the questions I would ask is, you know, what's holding you back from allowing the Lord to really transform your heart and have this response of weeping? When was the last time you had a good cry? (laughs) It's okay to cry. It's very okay. It's a God-given emotional response to pain and joy and change. So tears are something that I think is very healthy. So, so what, you know, you might not be a crier, but what, what, what's keeping you from the feet of Jesus? And what's keeping you from having a response to Jesus where you're like, wow, I want to be like this woman weeping at his feet. And by the way, she's weeping in front of the entire crowd of people. So she is not caring about what anybody else is thinking. Can I get an amen? Stop worrying. Stop living in fear how you think other people will think about you living a life sold out for Jesus. Like, stop. Can I help you with that? Can I just be like, stop it? Let, let those fears go. Those are straight from the pit of hell. And Jesus wants you at his feet, having this response of his, his love and his, his care and his forgiveness and his compassion. So she's standing at his feet, weeping. And then she, she bows down at his feet because her tears are so much that they begin to fall on Jesus's feet. So she wept at his feet. Then she wet his feet with her tears Then she did something really incredible. She let down her hair. I'll talk about that in a moment. Began wiping his feet, cleaning his feet with her hair. She began kissing his feet after they were clean. There's an order to this. She began kissing his feet. And then it says that she poured perfume on her feet. And this perfume, this, this act of her most valuable possession that she brought with anticipation. She brought with hope that that she would be able to actually be in close enough proximity to Jesus that she might be able to surrender this most precious, valuable thing that she had to, to the Lord. That might just be your life this morning where you've, you've actually held back on surrendering your life, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything. You, you've given some, but not all. And this is the woman, this is her saying, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. So she pours it on his feet. And this is an act of anointing. So in, in the Old Testament, you'd have where the priests would anoint new kings. Priests would get anointed. Prophets would get anointed. So she's in essence saying this, I'm anointing you as my prophet, my priest, and my king. You are mine. I am yours. This is a new life. I'm giving you my all. 
So she's declaring this moment of tears and hair and dirt and, and grime and kisses and just this moment in front of everybody. It's really like a baptismal type moment where she's declaring my life of old is gone and I'm starting something new because this man has made me new. And so she's having this emotional response. And so this is where we are. I wanna read uh, the response of the Pharisee in verse 39 through 43. It says, when Jesus who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, uh, if this man were a prophet, he would, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Pause. Like, think about this real quick. This was a thought that Simon had. He was thinking, man, if Jesus was a prophet, he would never, ever, ever let her do what she's doing. If he were a prophet... He's thinking these things as he's talking to Jesus and he's seeing this woman and he's going, how did she get into my house? And why is she doing that? And why is he letting her do that? All the things, right? And here, this, this, these thoughts are coming through Simon's heart and mind. And Jesus says, <clears throat> excuse me, Simon, um, I have something to tell you because he knows your thoughts. He knows what's happening within. Tell me, teacher, he said. So he gives them this parable. It says this, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave uh, the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who uh, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So, so, so Jesus interrupts this man's thought process. Who needs that this morning? Lord, I just need you to interrupt my thought process every once in a while. Lord, sometimes I'm not great at capt- uh, capturing my own thought life. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you intervene in moments like this where I am going down the wrong, the wrong road, where I am allowing depression and anxiety to take me into the spiral. Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you just interrupt the thought process? Just you have, you have your way, Lord. Interrupt anytime you want. And Simon, being a Pharisee, this is him. And he, and he brings in this place of doubt. He says, if, everybody say if. If this guy, Jesus, really is a prophet, he would know who is touching him. And even more so, he would know what she has done. He would know that she's a sinner, that she's dirty, that she's unclean, that if she were to touch any one of us, we would have to go through purity, right? Like rituals to become clean. So so Simon is going down this road and Jesus is, is interrupting Simon. And he's basically saying this, oh, Simon, Simon, Simon. Remember, remember this, that I actually came to seek and save the lost. Remember this, that I've risen people from the dead. Remember this, that, I, that, I, that I've, I've healed the crippled and, and, and give sight to the blind. 
remember these things that, that I do, that I have the power and the authority from the father of this, of this earth, that I have the ability to speak life, that I have the ability to bring the lost inside. So, so the Lord has really interrupted Simon's process here where, where doubt and fear and, and, and insecurity resides in the place of judgment and pride, right? We wanna put those up front so that, so that we can have this security within. Those are, those are our defense mechanisms where Jesus says, give me your fear and your pride and guess what I'll do with it. I'll turn you into a confident person who understands their identity in me. Wow, that's a powerful place to be. So doubt enters in. When doubt enters in, the seeds of enemy are doubt and fear. The question if arises a lot, specifically with what the Lord's doing in our life. And this woman, she's no longer, check it out, she's no longer being bound by shame. She's no longer being bound by the shadows of past. She's no longer allowing the things of old to to lead her life. Somebody should say amen at the very least. Think about this woman, a sinful woman, immoral to the max, like the, all the things of the past. And she did anything possible just to get to the feet of Jesus and her immediate response is weeping. And then saying, Lord, I just wanna do all of these things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe your feet. I'm gonna do all of these things. So she came out as this sinful woman. You know, I, I think so often we try to hide our faults and our flaws in our sin. We try to so cover them up because we want to have this appearance like the Pharisee. And I want to invite you to ask the Lord to call out the Pharisee within. I, if, it were, if it was just my, like, I'm just throwing this out there generally, there's nothing like real totally textual in here. I would say that somewhere within resides some, some form or fashion of pharisaical thinking, especially with Western society. We just look to our neighbor and we go, I'm not as bad as them. A thought just like that, that's totally the, the, the pit of hell. Judgment, ridicule, all of these things are from, from the, the enemy. So Jesus gives this parable and he's confronting this Pharisee, Simon. He confronts him, he stops him in the middle of his tracks and he says, oh, let me just throw this out there for you. Let me just, let me just interrupt your thinking real quick. I just wanna continually allow Jesus to confront my thinking, confront my actions, confront me because he is my king, he is my maker, he is the, the creator. And, and I want to give him the uh, honor and glory of saying, I'm yours and, and, and just do whatever you need to do within. Allow him to confront the judgment or arrogance or comparison or this positional power that you may not be as great as you think you are. Do not look at your spouse right now. So Jesus says, which, which, which of these debtors has been forgiven more? Which one? And Simon clearly says, well, obviously, Jesus, I mean, the one who had the greater debt, of course. And Jesus says, yeah, good, good job. You, you did right. You, you got it. So then we're going to read 44 through 47. Then he turned toward the woman. Then he turned toward the woman. 
Think about the setting. Jesus and Simon, this Pharisee, they're having this interaction. Jesus hasn't even looked at her yet. That may be a glance, but he hasn't recognized her. She's done all this stuff. She's wept. She's wiped his feet. She's kissed his feet. She's, she's poured perfume on. Then he sits there and tells this Pharisee this parable. And now, now is the moment. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? He doesn't say, do you see the sin? Do you see the, this terrible person that's doing this thing to my feet? Why did you let her in? What are you allowing to this? No, no. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, nor, uh, uh, but she, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you her many sins. By the way, this is a great point of clarification. Jesus does not hide her sin. He doesn't just like push it, sweep it under the rug. He says, no, no, no. This woman who has had many sins, just, just throwing it out there, sin, we can call sin what it is. Sin leads to death, right? It, it, is, it is the thing that we, we say yes to Jesus for, to, to receive this forgiveness and compassion from him. So, so he recognizes her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So I would say this is the moment. This is a holy moment. This is a powerful moment. And I want to encourage you or even ask you, like, when was the last time you had a holy moment with the Lord? Especially for those of you who have been Christians a long time, man, you receive salvation, just an amen, a powerful, powerful experience, I pray. And then you get baptized and goodness sakes, you go under that water and you come up going, man, I'm all for Jesus. And then you start living this hard life and then it just kind of starts to become routine. And it becomes just like, yeah, this thing. And it's so easy to just hit cruise control and coast the whole way through. And this is a holy moment when Jesus says to Simon, well, he looks at her, he recognizes her, he sees her. And this is what I would say to all of us. He sees you. He recognizes your pain. He recognizes the tears that are coming from your face and are, are really a, a, a sign of healing in your heart that are coming out and being produced. Jesus sees this moment and maybe just today is your day to receive this moment of like, man, the powerful, incredible grace of God is upon us. That it never ends. Where sin abounds, man, his, his grace abounds all the more. And so I wanna invite us into this place so Jesus turns to Simon and he kind of does this with Simon. Hey, I want you to look at this woman. I, I want you to have eyes on this person, this human, this child, this daughter, because she's beloved. Wow, like the power in, in, in Jesus putting our eyes on the hurting and the broken, the healing 
that happened with this woman. Oh, by the way, who heard the parable as well. So she's doing all this and she hears Jesus say, say this parable about who, who, deserves, who deserves the most forgiveness. Like, and she's going, wow, Lord, I've, I've sinned so much and, and I'm having this response with you right now. And I'm like, wow. And I think she understands that she's the one with more debt. So here's her offering. Let me just close this out. Her offering is her tears. And her tears is really her love, her, effect, her, her, her love for the Lord. Because she's always never had her eyes on the Lord. Now she has her eyes on the Lord. And the, the result is these tears from her eyes now that they're on the Lord. Incredibly powerful. And then, and then she has uh, her hair, which which represents this, this release of control. And, and back culturally, women would never do this. They would have their hair up and only in the presence of their husband would they then let their hair down. They were in a safe environment, hopefully. They were in a place where they knew they would never be rejected, ideally. And so by letting her hair down, she's understanding who Jesus is in her life. Never again will she let a man control her that she's, because of her past, right? She's allowing her hair down and giving her life to Jesus in this moment. And then she kisses him. And Jesus says, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet this whole time. And that's her affection and her intimacy. She's, she's relinquishing this to the Lord right now. And in fact, this is a healing moment, a pure moment because she's lived an impure life this whole time and says, no, from now on, my kisses will only, my affection, my intimacy will only be directed toward you, Jesus. No longer living in the past. And then finally, she gives her perfume. She dumps all of this perfume on, her, on, on Jesus's feet. And this perfume is all about the value and worth of her life. Check it out, listen, listen. One of the biggest things here you've got to understand is the perfume for a prostitute back in these days, they would use perfume as their scent and their smell. So men she's been with would know, hey, she's active, she's able. And she would, they, would, they would follow the smell along with some footprints along the way. They would know generally where she would be. So they would then go after because she was open. Wow. So she's giving him all of her perfume. you, Jesus. My past is gone. And in fact, my income is gone. My everything is yours. Everything. Because you've made me new. And, and this moment right now, I put my full trust in you. You have my affection, you have my love, you have my intimacy, Lord, you have my, my worth. Jesus, you have it all. What a holy moment. Can I have the worship team come up? We're gonna close in worship. As we do that, I wanna just actually, would you guys all stand together while they're coming up? At the end of this, parable, Jesus asks Simon, he says, which one, you know, and he got it correctly. Good job. Way to go, Simon. But he says, he says these words, he says, those who have been forgiven much or forgiven little actually love little. 
And I think this is a moment for all of us. Man, I want to love much. But the way I've found that I get to love much is I get to be forgiven much. And to understand the depth and the grandness of the sin that we have, that we put Christ up on the cross with, when we seek his forgiveness first and foremost, we're receiving the love that he's already given us. So when we're forgiven a lot, a large debt, we then love greater. So just maybe close your eyes with me. Think about the amount of love that you exude in, in the way in which God created you. Please hear me say that. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's love. It's, it's the love that he's created you with. But there are things that hold us back and sometimes we need to go back to loved ones and seek forgiveness. And when we receive forgiveness from Jesus first, from our father first, for putting him on the cross, wow, there's something that happens within, within our hearts that's just completely changed and transformed. But then there's people that I know I've messed up with. There's, there's individuals, whether it's family or friends, that I know that I could come to and seek forgiveness. And when I ask for forgiveness, when I say, you know what, would you just forgive me? I've wronged you. I did this or I did that. You know, not everybody's going to forgive, but those who do, you, you gain this love and this connection and an understanding that, man, when I am forgiven much, I will be able to then love much. So would we, would we just worship to this song? I think we're going to pl- sing Make Room. There's a, there's a significant song for this sermon, actually. I want to make room for you, Lord. I'm going to surrender my all to you, Lord. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. Wow, this is amazing. So just take this moment and respond to Jesus the way that you need to. Maybe it's with one of the four offerings that this, this woman had with her, with her tears with her, um, uh, her hair, with her um, wiping it away, with, with her perfume. What might you need to offer to the Lord right now in this moment and allow Jesus to just kind of wash over you and say, I see you and I forgive you. Let's sing this song. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.